0: Witness. A witness is someone that sees something, that uh, evidences something against something. And God says in the 43rd chapter here, I'll start at the 8th verse. It says, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses. You bring forth the people that to stand and be on your side in this indictment as to what has been de- declared or what you have said or what has been done. Bring forth their w- witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it. It is truth. He says, "Ye are my witnesses. You are my witnesses," saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God; for Him neither shall there after me be. And so God's witnesses are testifying to ask who He is, what He is, what He has done, and what He has said. The twelfth verse says. I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. You are witness to the fact that I am God. Whether your children, your parents, whether anyone else believe it, you have that testimony that you declare declaring that this is God, that Jesus Christ, this, this is our Lord and Savior. this you. Over God, this is our God. There's no God beside this God. Whatever you worship and or whatever you bring it into your life is not God, and that is what you shouldn't be giving. You shouldn't be giving heed to because it's not the truth, it's a lie. You are his witnesses and a witness for Christ, witnesses for Christ. I told you about the Great Commission in Matthew twenty eight nineteen where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, to believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, that is, remaining perpetually, regardless of any circumstances on, on, and on every occasion, even until the end of the age. You go forth and you testify of me. You present me to the world. And you are a living witness. Your life is a witness because sometimes you could have an, an inanimate witness. Remember the stones that the children had as a memorial, as a witness to the battle doing what the tribes won. And they thought that they was raising up a separate altar. And they said, well, no, the stones, this is a witness against you. We notice that God says he called heaven and earth as a witness against us. That's a witness. All of creation is a witness of God. That's why he says, if you don't cry out and praise me, even the rocks would cry out and give me praise or whatever. So we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. And to understand Jesus' command, we need to examine some other things that he said to the same people. A lot of people say, well, he was just talking to the apostles. I think he was also talking to those that heard him and threw out his word. Because what he says to one, he says to all. Some may have different authority and powers invested in their offices. But as Paul told Timothy, we are to do the work of evangelists. We are to go about and witness as to what we have seen and what we have heard. And our, the word of our testimony is what gives power to the body of Christ. Uh, many today believe that God divinely commissioned everyone who has ever heard or read this command to witness for Christ and make converts to his religion. And uh, that's a philosophy, a question that we throw up in air. But aren't we all witnesses to as to what we see? That's what they call in the courtroom. They ask a witness, did you see what happened or did, do you know what happened? A witness gives testimony to certain events or to what has happened or what they have seen to happen or to what they know. Uh, the apostles is one personally commissioned to deliver a, a message to someone else just as God, Jesus was God's apostle but he sent out the apostles but those apostles was to establish the doctrine of Jesus Christ was to establish his teaching, those were foundational stones we shouldn't think that that would be repeated again. It, there are no more apostles. Those 12 apostles, and they talk about the gates and faith and the four different directions in Revelation, and that it's built upon the apostles. Jesus Christ Himself is the chief apostle. So, so far as a title of, of apostle today or whatever, I don't think there's any more apostles. That, uh as such as the office of an apostle uh, apostle means one that is sent so a lot of us may be sent but we wouldn't bear the office of an of an apostle no matter how men try to name put names and things or whatever but the message of the good news he had sent us all out to carry forth this good news and bring the good news to the world and i told you that good news is a warning message it's a wake up call to God's people to bring them to consciousness to cause them to start thinking and to be quickened and made alive because with that message with the gospel message it quickens or makes people alive that it brings about faith That's how faith comes through the hearing of the word of God. So to some people, it germinates that word. that You you hear the people say the word is the seed of God. It's a seed or whatever. But when planted, that word brings forth faith in our lives. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. The actual what God has said. That's why it says blessed are those that believe on you through their word. Whose word? The apostles' word as to what the apostles testified and taught and preached. A lot of people say it's the apostle creed. So that body of doctrine which the apostles said and that's one cumulative body of instruction and there's no other doctrine out there that can be brought into the church but because the apostles was able to put together scripture and, and what the apostles did, so you can't add unto the word of God. That's why I say there are no more apostles. If there was an apostle here now, if there was a apostles alive today, they could make scripture. Their word would be as scripture was because that's what the apostles' word was. It was the scriptures as we know them. They wrote and penned the scriptures. They carried forth his message. It is up to us to do the works, and faith causes us, a faith has works. A faith without works is a dead faith. We look at Mark, the 7th chapter, the 32nd verse. He says, And they bring unto him, that is, they brought unto Jesus Christ, one that was deaf and had impediment in his speech. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. The phrase, they brought him, describes others presenting a man to Christ, and that's what we try to do, is bring others to Christ, or present others to Jesus Christ. We can't change who you are, what you are, uh, what you're doing in your life, or whatever, but there is one who can, that is Jesus Christ. If I can get you to hear, or follow, or, or, or produce you to Christ, because we can't, physically bring you to Christ now because it's the spirit that's in the world it's the Holy Spirit the comforter has come Jesus has left so we can't be physically brought to Christ but we can physically bring the word of God unto someone and your faith is what engenders the action that happens unto you after that in other words he told the woman that her faith had made her whole her faith had healed you. There's some that have faith to be healed. That That is, that it be unto you according to your faith, but it also must necessarily be a part of God's will. That's why I say, if you're willing, that it can be so. That these things happen. From this we can learn several lessons of service. Those who presented the man that Christ were involved in a work and everyone should emulate, that is, leading people to Christ as a solution to their needs, whether it's financial, physical, sickness. Whatever the problem is, Jesus is all you need. Christ is the answer. If I can get you to, to, to follow him or to list that him, That he is that advocate with the Father that can intercede on your behalf to get things done in your life. And that's whom you must believe on. That is Jesus Christ. This works, involves compassion and sacrifice. And that's what I say. To get people into the church, people must see you have compassion. uh, That you want them to be able to change your life. The only reason you testify to people tell people about christ it should be to help make them whole to make them a better person to direct them in the answer in a way it shouldn't be a feather in your cap that you've done something or that you can look back and see a work that you've done that accomplished something for yourself these all are done to glorify god and not self it's a glorification of god that's why it's not proselytizing people or people saying the church is feeding the people are doing all these things. A lot of times it's an effort to get people to join the church the works of the actions we're doing. But it has to be out of concern for the individual. And then it may open the door or the gateway to the gospel. Notice that it wasn't on contingency that Jesus healed the people. That after they were healed, then they asked for more. They believed on what he did, and they asked for more. There were others, you remember the ten lepers that he healed, all of them went away except one returned to give thanks and were appreciative of what God did. So sometimes, as I told you, if it's true love, it's just really from God, there's a reciprocal effect, in other words... You want to pay back the love that you've received from him. That's what makes you, uh, that's how you become one of his witnesses. We must have compassion for people needing help. And those who brought the deaf man to Christ had that. Otherwise, they would have not gone out of their way to bring them. And that's why I say sometimes we go out of our way and make sacrifices for an individual to get them closer to God. That our word would bring them much closer to God in what we have done. We're not doing it for for comfort's sake for ourselves, but as a part of the body of Christ through faith, it is a work that it drives us to do. In addition, bringing others to Christ shows a willingness to pay the cost as it is a sacrifice of time, effort, and sometimes money often brings criticism and ridicule from the world because i know i tell some people well look if you want to have a little bible study you want to come to the church i could pick you up or we can do this you you go out if you're white sometime it may cause you you know we don't know what the particular sacrifice is trying to get people to the lord it may cause you humility and criticism he's always trying to Change somebody, or trying to make them holy like he is, or whatever. But being faithful to God, we give that effort because we know it's paramount that we preach a witness, the gospel that we are Jesus. We are His witnesses, and our job is to testify of Him as to what He's done for us. So, at, at every opportunity, if you're not looking for that opportunity to glorify God and to witness and testify of Him there may be something a little bit lacking in your life. The men in the scenario who brought Christ, brought them for healing to Christ, turns their attention to an article or sermon in the Internet age, say, well, look, why don't you go to sermon audio? Uh, and if you shut in, a lot of people say, well, I can't get around. Well, look, our church is on the website, or this is a particular thing where you could go to hear sermons If you can't get out to church or whatever, hear what the church is about. Hear preaching or teaching and you direct them to the website, our website, to hear the word of God. It's a lot of ways in which we can have a spiritual solution to people's problems. Not just invite them into our church, but say you need to actually find a church. You need to be in a place that worship God. You need to lift up God or whatever. While these efforts can lead people to Christ, the most effective way to be a true witness of God's way of life is by living righteously yourself. That you be a living example. That they see your way of life, your manner of life. That's what the thief on the cross, he's seen Jesus and he realized that this man must be the son of God. From the way he acts, that's what I say. Sometime... Our testimony is our life. That's why I say, are we living witnesses of Jesus Christ? That's why we can't be quick to get angry. We can't be quick to be argumentative because people see that and wonder what kind of Christian you are. That you're ready to fight with your brothers and sisters. That you don't take the low road. You remember they say some people take the high road and you take the low road or whatever, you sometimes take people saying all manner of things about you, and you don't defend yourself or whatever. The reason a lot of us don't do that now is because the world and the Christians in this day say that you're a coward or you're naive or something if you don't do that. So we're not true witnesses of Jesus Christ. We're attempting to plead man or we're being shaped and formed by the world. Christ's disciples is, is quite the opposite. It's quite the contrary. You would have to go out of your way to provoke or fight uh, argument from Jesus Christ's people. And then the argument would be that you be angry and sin not. They may upset you or whatever, but you're not just going to voice it and holler and scream and fly all off the handle and get somebody told or whatever, that's a sign of an immature Christian. That's a sign that can be a bad witness for Christ. That's why he told David that his punishment would be that the sin would never leave his house, that violence would never leave his house because by his actions and doing what he did with Bathsheba and having Uriah killed, it caused his name to be blaspheming among the Gentiles. Are your ways and your actions and the things you're doing causing others to see a defective Christ? Are they causing them to see something? That's why I say the way you dress, your lifestyle, where you be at, are all of these things conducive to being a child of God? Because if it's a knife, you're a bad witness for the church. You, The company you keep, you could be a bad witness of the church It says, we shouldn't have any fellowship or association with these kind of people. But if that's all you do it, you're not converting the wayward people or the sinners that are around you or you're not trying to bring God into their lives, but that's just your social interaction, you know. They just come over your house to talk and eat and and have fellowship, not Christian fellowship, but in part of living their lives or whatever. So You're not seeking a segue to witness about Christ or to tell them about Christ. So they're comfortable around you or whatever because you're not a true witness of Jesus Christ. Because they can tell you things they're doing the way they're living and you're not giving that warning message. You're not saying that you have one child, you know, the life you're living. You have to leave that life. Yes, I can't continue to, to, we can't continue to mingle like this. I can't in, continue to do these things with you or whatever because I'm preaching or teaching repentance by what I live and do. I can't facilitate you living a contrary way to God. Being a witness is a 24 7 thing, you, you can't just pop out. And be yourself sometimes. Your body is no longer yours. Your conduct, everything you have now, is dead to self. And it's to glorify God. Uh, Here's some of the things. It says Psalm 37 and 30. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The Amplified says the mouth of the righteous proclaims wisdom, and his tongue speaks about justice and truth so when you come over my conversations and things the majority of it can't be about television and the love affairs that's going on on the soap opera some movie star's life or this and that that i can speak contrary to their lives that they're not living to god i can be a detriment i can point out that that's not right everything i speak has to be with wisdom and truth that's That's part of who I am speaking the wisdom of God because we can't be given the vain talk and just any kind of discussion of things because it's not redeeming the time. We speak of justice and truth, and that's in politics, that's in religion, that's in anything because right and what is just and truth is what's required of us. Remember I tell you, Michael said, you know what that is right. So if it's not about justice being done, if it's not about the truth, we have little or nothing to do with that. Because it's not building us up and it's not building our character up and it's not putting you on the edge that we have to depart from this, that this can't be part of the kingdom. We're trying to eliminate this conversation, these kind of conversations, we're trying to eliminate this altogether. This has to be a shaft. It has to be, the wind has to blow this away. Oh, yes. Proverbs 10, 20, and 21 says, The tongue of the righteous is like precious silver. The heart of the wicked is, is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed and guide many, but fools who reject God and his wisdom die for a lack of understanding when people come into your presence do they most of the time expect to hear something that's of value something that they need to hear something that would profit them uh, uh, give them enlightenment them to wisdom or is it just you babbling about something you know babbling is just speaking something that's vain and unprofitable or incoherent or something that's just confusing It's like the Tower of Babylon. You're just talking, and it's nothing coming out. It's just jumble. It's just (coughs) foolishness. The Living Bible says, When a good man speaks, he is worth listening to. But the words of fools are a dime a dozen. In other words, do people pay attention when you say something or speak? or Do people start doing something else or listening or not paying attention because... Like they say, the words of a fool is dime a dozen. You may be repeating something I said or whatever you're doing or whatever, because, but it's not worth anything to me. Because sometimes when something is said, you don't have to keep re-saying that same something. Sometimes you let it penetrate in. I don't need you reiterating this and reiterating that to me. That's going over the same course of ground. A godly man gives good advice, but a rebel is destroyed by the lack of common sense. Uh, Old Testament usage of the word witness. The Old Testament usage of the word witness. A witness who withheld the truth shared in, in the guilt of whatever offense it was. Now you hear people going around about not snitches and not saying anything. But did you know it was your job, and that's what we have about civilization now. How it has changed. But if you saw something, God held you to account to report or witness about what you saw. But now that could be deadly to your health. That could be very dangerous to speak on a matter or say what you said. The police always something happens, and there's no witnesses. Nobody to tell because everyone is afraid. That's a society that has to disappear because it's anti-God. It's against God because if you've done something and something happens and I see it, I should say something. Leviticus 5 and 1 says, If anyone sins after he hears a public adjuration, that is a solemn command to testify, when he is a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known something, if he fails to report it, then he will bear his guilt and be held responsible. So that's what it was when uh, the high priest adjured Jesus and says, "Are you the Son of God?" That's when he answered because it was a adjuration. That's why in the courts of your witness, they ask you, "What did you see or what did you hear?" Through the courts of God, that's necessary that you answer what you've seen. Uh, you'll you'll be held guilty for that and if you don't state it right, if you state the wrong thing that's a sin against the 8th, I think it's the 7th or 8th commandment, there should not bear false witness that's bearing a false witness we must be true witness Slanderous reports and medals of witnesses were forbidden Exodus 20 and 16 says you shall not testify falsely that is, lie or withhold or manipulate the truth against your neighbor or any person. Exodus 23 and 1 says, You shall not give a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked to be a malicious witness that is promoting wrong and violence. And that's what this nation has to be destroyed, or the world has to be destroyed. And God's coming in and redeeming his people because he's making them aware of their responsibilities or should I call them obligation as witnesses of God. These are your responsibilities. These are your duties. This is what you should be doing. That's why it says the kingdom of the government of God, when it comes to earth, we're looking for that justice to happen. We're looking for people to be punished for the thefts or the killings of the things that they're doing that's not according to God, that they be passed away, that God would take them away, that God would remove all such doings because for the kingdom of God, we're looking for his will to be done here on earth. That means justice has to be throughout the earth. Those that are not conforming or being transformed, they're being removed. That's why he says fret not thyself because of evildoers, because these people love darkness rather than light. They continue and they hold on to their sin. They're not mortifying the deeds of the body. So a witness has to be a reliable and a truthful witness. He has to be faithful. Jesus Christ calls himself in the book of Revelations, the faithful witness. We have to be found faithful. Witnesses in the Old Testament was part of the first executioners. Deuteronomy thirteen and nine. It says, "Instead, you shall not certainly. You shall most certainly execute him. Your hand shall be first to be raised against him to put him to death, and after with the hands of all the people." Where did I pull that out? Out of the, what context did I pull that out of the thirteenth chapter of Deuteronomy? Do you realize that we're talking about if your brother, uh if your son, or uh, anyone in your family is a false, as presenting a false god unto you, that are trying to get you to worship a god that the Lord God hadn't recognized that He's not a true god or whatever that. You should be the first one to help put him to death. That's Old Testament. It, 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 we, we're living in the New Testament now. So God works it out that this person is put to death. That's why I say, your enemy shall be those of your own household. So if your spouse or your children to join some other church or whatever, and this is not teaching of the true and living God or whatever, You shouldn't be surprised if God put that person or that individual to death. That's why you have to witness of a true God and warn people that that's not of God. That's not part of the word of God. The consequences of that is is the wages of death because that is sin to teach other than the true God. Here it is, uh, Deuteronomy 13, it says, If there arise among you a prophet, a dreamer, of dreams and give it thee a sign of wonder and the sign of the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto him saying let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them then shall all then then thou should not hearken unto the words of that prophet of that dream of dreams for the lord your god proveth you to know whether ye Have the Lord your God with all your heart, whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments. Even though what this person has said has come to truth or come to pass, it is not according to the word of God. And they're trying to get you to worship some other God. That's why I say it has to be according to the will of God. We know necromancy or talking to the dead is against God. God says not to do those things. So going to seances and talking to the spirits of the dead or whatever, we know that that person is not of God. So when teachers and false preachers and things, that's why we have to know the word of God. And that's why Jesus says, ye are my witnesses and we need to teach and learn of him, of his commandments and statutes. So we'll know what is not in his word. We have to know what's not in the word of God. And that means we have to know what's in the word of God. We have to study the word of God. So that's why I say people going around not going to church, not knowing what the word of God is. Well, how could you be a witness if you're not understanding of what facts that you, or what you're responsible for, or what you're responsible of hearing? Because if someone tells you something that someone else did, a lot of times someone would be saying, but the people said this and the people said that. Okay, I can say, well, okay, it's hearsay. They may have said that or whatever. But you need a second witness to confirm that. It says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every matter be established. So someone else has to confirm what that other person says because you may... It may be an accusation. You may be hurt. Or you may take it personally. or You may not be viewing it in the right way. But by you just saying these things, and I take that as a truth. And then I'm upset with that person. I'm not being fair to that individual or whatever. That's why it says, in the midst where, wherever two or three are gathered together, I'll be a, a God in the midst of them. Well, those two or three people have to be deciding on a godly manner for God to give them the right answer the right thing. They can't be just their opinion. Two or three people gather together against someone and their opinion, and then God's going to go along with that opinion. That's not how the word of God works. That's not how witnesses and evidence and true works. And that's what he's trying to eliminate here. Uh the testimony of a witness in the Old Testament was a very serious matter. And that's what I say. Nowadays, we just say anything or do anything, and there's no consequences to what we're doing. And the nation have become not a nation of the rule of laws because we're laxing the laws. We're letting all, a lot of things slide. There's a great injustice in the nation, that causes other people to wax evil and do even worse because we're not punishing the evil doer. That's why when God gave the law, what happened, you remember there was no law at one time. The law came before Moses. But the God gave the law because people were doing what? They were transgressing his laws. There were no common decency. There was no right. The people were doing things, and God says, okay, well, let me show you what you're doing wrong. This is what my law states. Now, wonder the people are so adamant or wanting to get rid of the law of God and saying they're not under the law because they think under Jesus Christ, he says he came with grace, mercy, and truth, and forgiveness. They feel that they could do anything. People say, well, Jesus died for our sin, so that they're forgiven for anything they do They do to you. They don't have to change their life. There's no repentance. They feel that they can do anything because Jesus Christ forgives sin, and he says, forgive and love your enemy and do all these things. So they make God to be powerless. They make the world, uh, uh, there's confusion there, so we're not witnesses of God or witnesses of His Word. A judge was required to verify by the testimony of at least one other witness. As, as I will say, it has to be verified in the mouth of two or three witnesses. If a witness was found to be unreliable and false, he, was saying he received the same penalty that the accused would have received had he be found guilty. If the witness lied or perjured himself, then that witness was to receive the same sentence that he was trying to call that person that he lied on to receive. Whatever that punishment was, he was to receive that punishment for lying and not being the right witness. Now, as I told you, the witness changed a little bit in New Testament times. and the New Testament, the word is derived from various forms of the Greek word Martus, M-A-R-T-U-S Martus which means to record a report evidence given a testimony it is someone who can testify a vouch for the parties in debate. In other words I vouch that Jesus Christ as a witness I actually believe that he rose from the dead I believe that he died for our sins now, as his witnesses, I'm a witness by faith. I'm uh, faithful to his word. I'm believing his word that this is true. I didn't actually see it. And that's what he says, those that believe on me through their word. Whose word? The apostle's word. That, that is what they wrote. And we're relying upon the fact that this is a, a faithful witness. That's why Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, he said he was writing a chested, a chastise to show Theophilus of what had been done and said. So following this body of truth, this evidence in which some believe, some don't believe. But he says, blessed are those that believe on my word. And that's what we're doing. As in English, it means one who bears testimony in a judicial sense or one who can testify to the truth of what he has seen unknown. We hadn't actually seen this. And with the apostles, the apostles was one that had seen the risen Christ that he rose from the dead. I believe that's why Jesus Christ appeared to the apostle Paul so that he would be seen the resurrected Christ. Because you remember Paul wasn't with the other 11 apostles who had seen Jesus risen from the dead, but he did appear to the apostle Paul. So he was an apostle that was born at due time. As in the old testament the witnesses was the first executioners if we would read Acts seven and fifty eight, and at least two witnesses was was required to establish any charges according to Second Corinthians thirteen and one. And within the church an accusation against a minister only was received if it was from two or three witnesses according to 1 Timothy 5 and 19. We couldn't just accuse an elder or something and a lot of accusations. Now in the Me Too movement and all these people coming forth without two or three people who actually witnessed these things. We have a calamity of errands and, mis- and injustices going on that only Jesus Christ can rectify. He's the only one that can set this straight. So if we are his witnesses, he's going to protect us, and he's going to keep us. You did not heard of the governmental program witness protection. He protects us, but also we have to know that he's a sovereign God or what, and that sometimes It may be due to the loss of our life. We may lose a life. That's where that word martyr comes in from. Sometimes we may be martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was crucified upside down. I mean, Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. A lot of times you could become a martyr for Jesus Christ. And a lot of people fear that as being a true witness for Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, a witness takes on more personal form of one who attests his belief in Christ and in his teachings and by his personal sufferings. Because sometimes when we truly believe in and attest to Jesus Christ, we will suffer personally. We will suffer rejection. A lot of times we may lose a job. We may lose kin people. We may lose a whole lot of other things. The apostles frequently appear as witnesses of the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke the twenty fourth chapter forty six through the forty eight verse. The faithful are called so great a cloud of witnesses that we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews twelve and one. And that's what we are. We are His witnesses. We're seeing, and we have to have to testify. As to that which we see and hear. Yes. In Jesus Christ, in the letter in the book of Revelations to the Laodiceans, Revelations 13 and 4, Jesus himself is referred to as the faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. None of the other letters of the seven churches uses this title the faithful and true witness. Christ emphasizes in this his own faithful and true character because the lay of the sins are so completely lacking those qualities. They're not faithful Mm. and they're not truthful. They're not really good witnesses. That's the one that he accused of being lukewarm. They were more or less like the world. Are we faithful witnesses? That's what I was calling us to now the more loyalty the more faith we have the greater increase of the trials and tribulations because we're in into a time now that has never been before I think the world is entering into that time of great tribulation Christ's example to the lay of sin shows that to be a fitting witness of God one must be faithful And one must be true. That he is spiritually reliable and accurate. In other words, we must know the word of God and study the word of God, rightly dividing the word of God. Because it's bad to testify to something that you don't know to be true, that somebody else may know, but you might not know. You know, a lot of people know of Christ, but they don't know Christ. They don't know... They hadn't suffered. They hadn't been through affliction. And persecution sometimes causes them to lose their witness. Loss causes them to lose their witness. Fear of man causes them to lose their witness. You may be about to lose a marriage that you didn't have 30 or 40 years. You may be about to lose your relationship with your parents or your children or something. But if it's for Jesus Christ, you may have to count that as laws and not compromise your principle or your belief. You must be faithful to God. There's a choice you have to make. And that's what I say. We're not realizing that these choices and these things are real in our everyday life, and we pale to see the significance of it. It's just as Moses was building to the ark. He wasn't very great, only his family was saved, and that's more than a lot of us can say today because a lot of us, our whole family, are not saved, or we don't believe they're saved. But at least Noah's sons and daughters, his his children were saved with him on the ark. Those eight souls, those souls that were saved on the ark. But he didn't win a whole lot of people. So a lot of people today judge faithfulness uh, of being a witness for God by success and accomplishment, how much you accomplish. In other words, how large your church is. How many people you got following you. What do you have? What do you have materially? They have a different way. In other words, they judge by sight what is seen. But if you're faithful to God, you know that you may not have anything in this life, but you like you may be like an iceberg. You may just see me in the midst of the water. You may just see me as a little something out there alone. But underneath, underneath the surface, the largest structure that I have in God, I'm rooted and grounded in God, and there's so much I'll have in the next life. Yeah. I've given up so much in this life to sacrifice the things. I, it's not to be compared to the treasures I have laid up in heaven. So we're seeing people that has treasures in this life and those things must moth and rust, the corrupt and erode. But that which I have laid up in heaven is eternal. See that which I'm building toward as a witness for Jesus Christ, we know he's able to keep that which we've committed unto him. And that's why we commit our family to him. We commit our lives. We commit everything to him. He's able to keep it better than we are. A true witness of God is ref- is a reflected example of the life of Christ in word and in behavior. That's what a true witness of. So when he says, ye are my witnesses... We have to testify and know that that's the only living and only true God. There's but one God. And he's the creator. And that we have to follow his example in behavior and manner of life. The church is witness. The church is witness. In the book of Revelation uh, 12 and 11, John records that the saints overcome Satan by the blood of Christ that shed for the forgiveness of our sins and by the word of their testimony. How do you overcome? By the word of your testimony. By the word of the tes- your testimony and by the blood of Jesus Christ. So he shed his blood for us. He said he was our redeemer. He wasn't going to ever leave us or forsake us. So now that we're covered by the blood, all we have is our testimony. That's how we overcome is by our testimony and of Jesus Christ. Uh, Revelation 12 and ever says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Uh, amplified reads, And they overcame and to conquer him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, for they did not love their life and they, and they renounced their faith even when deaf. They didn't renounce their faith. They didn't love. It's like Daniel being thrown in the lines there. I'm praying and I'm looking unto God. I won't stop doing that. You can do what you want to do to me. I'm going to live for Jesus and this is the life I'm going to live. I have to die trying to live. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn back. That's what a true and faithful witness is. He's already counted the cost, and it may cost him everything, but he's willing to sacrifice everything. So you need to count the cost before these things happen. In the kingdom of God, the saints will always continue to be witnesses of God's way of life. uh Now, as a church, as we seek first the kingdom of God and we be faithful unto God, no matter what it costs, like I said, it might be like Noah. Noah didn't have very much. Uh, God must have provided the money and the resources and the funds, uh, whether he worked and paid for the lumber, billing himself or whatever. But we know he took 120-some years building that ark, and it was a sacrifice. But it was available for those that wanted to be saved. But notice that as a witness for God, Noah faithfully preached about God those 120 years, and there were no converts. No one was converted. The years of my service and preaching may have not seen a lot of converts. But what Noah did and what we must do, we must remain faithful to God and not faithful to what we see. We can't see say that this not working. We're gonna try a new thing, we're gonna do something different. We must faithfully preach the word, please God and be faithful to what, what He's teaching us in holiness. We can't say, well, no, we're going to get a band to come in. Or we will get this, and we're going to get to promote it. We can't merchandise the church. We must witness with our life and with the Word of God. We must endure through the hardness of all these things. And through our works, it shows whether we're faithful or not. If you're hungering and thirsting after God you'll continue to have those works because faith has works in the Spirit gives us life to continue those works. And we'll continue to prod on. Sometimes it may not be the facet, it may not look the way others want it to look or whatever. But sometimes it's, the it's lesson learned in the tortoise and the hare is the tortoise just kept prodding along. It might have been at a Slow pace, but at least he was steady and he was constant. We have to be reliable. We have to be reliable with the little tithes and offerings that we have. We have to be reliable with forsaking not the to fellowshipping together of ourselves. We have to be faithful in church service. We have to be faithful in praying to God. We're asking him for growth. We're asking for soul saved. We ask in God for, to keep the building, keep the people, to keep the families, to save our sons and daughters, to save our neighbors, to save all that. Let us be a witness for you. I ask Him day by day to put someone in my path that I can teach and tell about you, whether you send them to our church or some church, but let me give you the glory today to witness of just what you've done for me and how much you've changed my life. That's being one of his witnesses. And we will close right there. But witnesses have works, And to be a witness for Jesus Christ, it's all about Christ and what he's done. So if we learn that we are vital to God, that we're very important to God, but we have to see ourselves, we see ourselves as insignificant But we're significant unto God. We really mean something to Him. And so, as a witness, we can't... You remember I told you about witness protection or whatever. We can't be the one that's getting all the attention. The attention has to be given to our Master, to the one that's covering us. It has to be given to Jesus Christ. We're not trying to get a reputation. We're not... Trying to be heard of or honored, it is him because the devil is coming for us, and we have to depend upon him to protect us and to keep us. But we have to testify as to what he's doing in our life. That's why sometimes we fail to give God honor and glory and to tell people of the things God's doing in our lives. We don't, we're not giving our testimony as to what all we are overcoming, and that's how they overcame. The devil is by the word of their testimony, just what God is bringing them through. The devil don't want you to tell people that. And that's why sometimes when we advocate and say those things, it really gets hard. Look like things come out of nowhere. It was just last week you was boasting and saying these things. Now Satan is bringing more pressure in those areas. Because he don't want you giving God the glory, he don't want you saying that God is winning about. So as his witnesses, we have to be lights in the world. If we're his witnesses, we have to give testimony to that greater light. You never see the moon trying to overshadow the sun. The sun is the greater light. and So we're the lesser lights. We're the moon and he's the sun. And through the sun, he sets us free. But well, that sun reflects on us and causes us to shine. You know the the sun, the moon doesn't have anything. It reflects the sun. It it doesn't illuminate anything. It's a reflection of the sunshine. The, the moon gives no light. It's a reflection of the sun shining on the moon. Stairs. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord.